0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Frankly Who Cares podcast with uh, me, Alex. Joined as always by Tom. How you doing, good Tom?
1: Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Had a had a good couple of weeks since the sun's out, so starting to feel mm-hmm. more like sport is on the cards, which is good.
0: It's good, isn't it? Very good. And um, this is our third edition. We've made it to number three. Which yeah, feels like the a difficult third album. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So no pressure,
1: Make or break. but yeah,
0: we've got to give the people what they want. Yeah, <laughs> building up a loyal following, exactly. So um, we should uh, we should start as it seems to be becoming custom already with a few um, uh, to setting the record straight, shall we call it, <laughs> from the, the previous podcast. Um, so um, I guess I've got I've got a couple of things. So obviously our, our podcast is called, frankly, who cares? Because of a brilliant bit of uh, Barry Davis commentary, I'm, I missed a glowing opportunity last year, glaring opportunity last last edition, uh, to to reference another Barry Davis commentary. Um, remember, I was speaking about um, the Arsenal Spurs uh, FA Cup yes, semi final,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, Gascoigne's free kick goal. Do you remember Barry Davis commentary on that? Because it was pretty
1: good. Is Annoying. it something like? You, I say. That's in there.
0: So the exact, the exact commentary is, bear in mind, Gascoigne's lining up like about 35 yards out. No one, including David Seaman, is expecting them to shoot. And it's, uh, is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say. Brilliant. That's schoolboy's own stuff. Exactly. Oh, that is <laughs> That's good. good, isn't it? Annoyingly good. Um, yeah, now that I've said that, you don't need to watch, no one needs to watch Arsenal getting beaten by Spurs. So just, yeah, enjoy, no. enjoy my version of it.
1: It was one of those ones where it's no one thinks he's going to shoot, but he is, he's marked mm-hmm. up a fast bowler's run up, and all he can possibly do from that run up is hit it as hard as he can. Isn't very true. So, yeah, I think Having nowadays that, everyone would be expecting him to shoot. But...
0: That is true. Having said that, his, um, his chip for the David Platt goal in, um, the 1990 World Cup
1: where he runs up from quite a while yeah yeah that is right way out yeah a bit in yeah yeah Yeah. Um, I think well it's it's astonishing it's taken us three episodes to bring his name up because he Mm. basically gets mentioned every time we go to the pub (laughs) that's true talking about free kick run ups Uh, I mean we're talking about Champions League later maybe we should bring we should bring it up then yeah. yeah, yeah, We'll, we'll, I, we'll tease we that for that later no. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Okay. I okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay Good, well, yeah, and we mm. I think in terms of inaccuracy, which we've had to correct mm. a couple of, of times already, there's nothing mm. as clanging as there was last time of mine that I had to correct. Um, I will acknowledge the fact that Scotland lost to Wales, which I'd highlighted as a very genuine possibility, but I think I'd eventually erred on the side that we'd sneak a victory, which we didn't quite in a yeah. Amazing game, thrilling game. Very good. Um But uh, possibly a bit more clanging was that I thought the pink ball test might might favour England, which uh, didn't, but we're going to cover some cricket later on, so we'll, we'll come back onto that. But just I yeah. uh, did say that the test that was going on, which was the second test when we recorded, there was absolutely no way England were going to win, and they delivered. So yes mm. uh, not not <laughs> too kidding. much inaccuracy i think the biggest one for me that we've really got to revisit was this serena williams being more famous than tom brady stroke of the most famous active sports person in the world mm. so not particularly easy to do um, you know fundamental unarguable research on this so um mm. But pretty much everyone I spoke to disagreed that, that Serena Williams was as famous as you were making out. Um and the most kind of the best source I've found is because we talked about sport sporting fame being more like marketability than actual ability. Um mm. and so I found a list of the most marketable athletes currently. I've seen marketable. that too. Yeah. And uh in the top so in the top 50, so Tom Brady was 30th, uh, which doesn't surprise me because hes I think marketability is a lot about social media and Tom Brady's not really fussed about that. Yeah, he's like older than me. Um, but in the top 50 there were six tennis players, four female, and none of them were Serena Williams. So I, I do think that she, partly because the same reason as Tom Brady doesn't have a massive social media presence, that that's not mm she's not seen as that. But I just don't think she's that famous. And I think your point that you said everyone in South America will know her. I didn't really query that. I'm not sure that's the case.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Hard hard for me to say for matter of fact. Um, Interesting. So I looked at the Forbes uh, money list of sports people. She was number two for for women after Naomi Osaka who won the Australian last week. So she's still making a huge amount of
1: money. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So she's still making a lot of money uh, both through her earnings and through through um, sponsorships. So my, my equally scientific research um, threw up a couple of things that backed what you were saying. So um, uh, one reason for people being famous is their profile. You know, if they do things outside of sports, so appearing in games, as you yeah. said, Tony Hall, uh, films, Michael Jordan in Space Jam came up, uh, for example, um, and yeah, also yeah, uh, having uh, commercial uh, things like trainers or what whatever, whatever named after them. But the people I spoke to, most of the people I spoke to felt that tennis players generally were among were probably the number one sport in terms of global fame because it's a global sport. unlike most sports, many sports rather, which are popular in one country, or popular among a small group of countries like cricket, even though one of those countries is India that's got tons of people.
1: Yeah, well yeah, um, yeah. Um so in so I picked out some names from the list that I thought, oh, that's interesting. And we and we could have spent the whole day talking about it and not not got to them. Yeah. Um, but I think the key is they're either sports that are emerging at the same time as social media, so they're they're kind of they're looking to further their reach, so they are marks makes them very marketable they are uh sports women where the sports are gaining a much higher profile relative to the men's sport than than 10 20 years ago or they're Indian cricketers because the following is just absolutely bonkers so the one that yeah so I pulled out Virat Kohli Rohit Sharma um and then Nurmagomedov who's an MMA Fighter, right. yeah, MMA um, came up in my research yeah, too. Um not I, not something I follow particularly, but you know, people who are into it do seem to be like absolutely massively into it. Uh, and then Simone Biles, um, Alex Morgan, and Megan Rapinoe, who are all mm. pretty high profile. The latter certainly for her work and kind of newsworthy commentary on U.S. politics. Um, yeah and social issues Yeah, much of her sporting ability um so yeah I think Serena Williams the other thing that has put it into a bit of perspective I think was that the new when she went out and there was a lot of rumor about uh her retiring off the back of her the way she left it didn't stick in the news very long Mm. Mm -hmm. um and then for Tiger Woods to then have such a massive accident a few days later, which potentially his career has then put that more into perspective, I think. So yeah. Yeah. In short, I think you were wrong there,
0: (laughs) but you don't have an answer for who actually is.
1: Well, the most famous active sports person in the world. Yeah. I still think it's one of the footballers. Yeah, probably. Ronaldo. Um, Yeah. So I, I, and I referred to this last time as a scientific assessment of whether someone's famous or not asked my wife for who the, her most famous <laughs> sports people uh, those footballers everyone talks about who I think are Messi and Ronaldo did feature um, but David Beckham and Maradona also came up <laughs> so <laughs> right. not with her finger on the pulse as much as I'd um. so fair enough Yeah.
0: okay good so that's Completely settled then. Right. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, we can pop that and move on. <laughs> um, so oh, one one more one um, more minor clarification um to set the record straight for me. So last week you uh, during gold, silver, bronze, uh Dean Macy you mentioned uh the New York Jack uh, New York Yankees in uh, when we were talking about the, the kits. Mm. And um I threw in. Ah, oh, weren't the um the Warriors? You know, the gang that the Warriors thought <laughs> in the film, weren't they? <laughs> weren't they based on the New York Yankees? The answer is no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> They're called the Baseball Furies. It turns out, and there's a whole massive backstory, that, uh around them. Considering they were only in the film for about twelve minutes uh there's there's games and things like that uh, based on the film apparently they're a fictional new york city gang in 1979 they're a group of real major leaguers who bring their a-game to every rumble apparently um and so no no connection with the new york yankees apart from the fact that other than about five of the gang members all of the other gang members nicknames are based on um baseball players former baseball players right. including New York Yankees legends: Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig. There's a Mickey after Mickey Mantle. There's a Reggie, Reggie Jackson, Yogi Berra. Brilliant name, by the way. <laughs> and uh, and Babe Ruth himself. Right. So there is a connection, but then not New York Good. Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Let's take that. That's... Yeah. So for yeah, Warriors geeks. Hopefully, they they, they don't need to uh, to call in now. <laughs> Set
1: so the record straight for well, just... <laughs> Exactly. The one follow-up I've got on the kits because um, uh, that we talked about last time, and, and uh, West Brom kit got on the podium, um, was that uh, about? This is when I was first working in an office. Uh, I sat next to a Pompey fan, um, and they were last game of the season. They were away to West Brom. And it was the year West Brom had like the great escape. I think they're still the only team who were bottom at Christmas to stay up. Yes. And all the Pompey fans bought West Brom shirts for the game, because if West Brom won, Southampton would go down. And like every player in every person in the crowd, when when West Brom scored, went mental, like all the Pompey fans wanted Pompey to lose. Wow. Like, that is good commitment to actually buy a West Brom shirt you'll never wear again.
0: That is incredible. And I did actually make the point that, you know, it would be insane to buy a West Brom shirt if you weren't a fan. Well, that's one one example of where it clearly wasn't.
1: <laughs> and I think that um the and we'll come on to this later, that the sort of it's almost the ideal day of sport is going to watch a game where a good result is really important to you and you'd love it. But bad result doesn't really matter because your team actually wins. Like it's like betting against your own team, isn't it? you think, well, I've won, yeah. money, but they've they've lost. But if, mm-hmm. you know, you're hedging your bets. It does take mm-hmm. some of the stress out of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought we'll we'll sort of talk about that. A bit <laughs> Come later. back to that. So in a bit.
0: Okay. Right. I think the record has sufficiently been set straight. So shall we move on then? Uh, to uh, what you want to focus on this week, which is cricket.
1: Yes, so um, I did this last week, cricket. We were going to talk about England and India. Um, but one thing that that really caught my eye this week, uh, New Zealand are playing Australia in a T20 series. It's, um, uh, I think it's on BT Sport, but it's quite a good sort of time. It's on. It starts about seven in the morning and finishes about half nine. Um, and so... Pleasingly, there's been two games uh, which have both been won by New Zealand, Um, one in particularly heartbreaking style for the Australians, which is really, really nice to see. Um, One of the things that's cropped up is I just watch people in the crowd who are like having a beer, stood next to someone watching cricket and think, oh, you gits, like how much I miss obviously, going out and doing anything because we're still in down. But actually, going to watch live sport, and almost every time we watch a rugby match on, and it's sunny, we think, oh, we'd have been probably been there today, and it'll be, oh, we'd have met mm-hmm. for lunch and all that sort of thing. And yeah, and so um, so that's one of the things that that's cropped up. I think, um, and also T Twenty has kind of really changed the the sort of certainly for us living on the outskirts of London, being able to go to an evening T Twenty game in the summer with some beers it's just like it's just made cricket so much more accessible Um, I think it's probably changed cricket's changed the most of any sport since 2000 unless you've got any any alternative suggestions I think rugby went professional a little bit before that and that was probably that but having played (laughs) adult cricket from the year 2000 onwards um, and or before that but but to now as well and you see kids coming in and they're like playing reverse sweeps and you're just like I think I'd I'd have been yeah. beaten up on my coach <laughs> if I did that when I was sixteen. <laughs> and so um but there, there's a few other things things to like about about the series. Um so do you are you aware of the beige brigade?
0: The beige brigade brigade is that the New Zealand hardcore fans
1: yeah, but so-called because uh, New Zealand played, I think, in the first ever one-day international where they wore coloured kits, and that was their original coloured kit was beige, like horrible, yeah. like muddy brown beige. But occasionally they dust it off, so they're they're wearing for the series a beige brigade. Kit, oh, nice! And it looks with with black, they're like their normal black trousers, in it looks really good. Right, so, <laughs> um, so that that's. That's really, that's really enjoyable. Um, David Warner, um, you know, I, I think one of the biggest enemies of, of sports fans anywhere. Absolutely. He's got Particularly um, English cricket fans. a long-standing groin injury and is expecting to live with groin pain for the rest of the year, which is, you know, that's disappointing no. to hear, isn't it? No one likes to hear that. No. No. Um, and so, uh, and yeah, so that, that was most of what I'd, I'd sort of picked. Out of mm. that one of the things about the New Zealand cricket team I just I do think they're one of the most likable bunches of of players you don't support, and that was the one thing about the World Cup final that was really disappointing was that we'd beaten like everyone's yeah. favorite team whereas if it was Australia or India, it would have been much more. Much more, it I
0: would. Guess. I mean, we beat those them on on the way in that that four yeah. match winning streak, which was sweet. But you're right, and even how well they took a couple of injustices, yeah. um, was was would have been even nicer if it had been Australia, really sulking and moaning about it as they love to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the Kiwis, I know, were really good about it afterwards as well. They said like, well, we knew the rules, and you know, we 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 made some errors at some key times and. <laughs> that's just the way it goes and you're just like oh, oh so I think they're also compared a bit to the All Blacks who are quite arrogant as well so like they're yeah. the two big exports from that country and they compare favourably to them, they're like favourably to the Aussie cricket team and then you know mm. sort of quite, quite likeable so yeah I would really like to see them go on and, and stick a 5-0 on Australia that would be, that'd yeah. be good fun that would be um, joyous Mm. And and it's been a lot more watchable than the cricket, the, the test match, which is, was meant to be happening today, but it finished on Thursday. So I think shout out to anyone who yeah. took time off work this week to watch, which uh, to a lot of people <laughs> I know took Friday off hoping to catch full day. So um, yeah.
0: 140 overs, uh, uh, that match was something like the. I think 1915 or something was the yeah, last time.
1: Yeah, it's the shortest post-war test match. Yeah,
0: mm. yeah. Wow, that's barely um, that's just over a one-day match, basically. Over, oh, there's not that many more. Yeah. It, did you get to I didn't see feel like Test cricket? Well, no one did really.
1: Um... <laughs> <laughs> you had to be quick. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, uh, no, um, no, not much of it. This one.
1: Yeah. It. it... To. If you look at the highlights, it just looks like England got out a lot to straight balls. Um, and that you can't really disagree with that. But when so many of them are spinning wildly, the one that doesn't spin gets a lot more potent as a weapon. Um, mm. And, you know, I, again, there was a couple of iffy decisions which would not have affected the game. but And there's loads of Indian fans on Twitter who... Um, who just said, "Well, no, it's you're allowed to prepare a home pitch. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it." Um, but I think if India, who are probably some of the best players of spin in the world, are getting run through by Joe Root, it's probably on day two. It's probably doing a bit, bit too much too early. Yeah,
0: you've probably gone a bit overboard with your home pitch uh, strategy. Um, I agree.
1: And you know, I mentioned about um, how the Indian. Board control their rights really tightly, and that's why there's never anything on YouTube, and that's why it's on Channel Four. Um, yes. All the Indian presenters are just like, ah, I think the pitch is all right, because they're all paid, basically employed by all the commentators are employed by the Indian board, and I then, see. then it's like they go with whoever takes the coverage, and then it cuts mm-hmm. back to Channel Four, and Strauss and Cook are in the studio going, I mean, it's awful. Like Joe Root is getting five, for, he's all right, but his Test match average is forty. With a ball, he yeah. Be getting more than two or three wickets here and there—it's just mad. And then they got a guy, a former Test cricketer from India, who's on the Indian coverage. They got him to ring in, and again he was like, "Oh no, I mean it's not—it—it's it, it's maybe not perfect, but I think it's just bad batting." And even oh, came out and said that, and you just got—you just think, "Oh come on, mate."
0: Yeah. Party line playing it with straight bat. Yeah, mm.
1: and so that's the good thing about T20 is it, it the pitch matters far less, and UDI uh, yeah. cricket's the same. In that, it actually the World Cup final wasn't a particularly great pitch. It wasn't a great spectacle, but we were absolutely mm. transfixed by it. Yeah, and I, yeah, I mean, I watched it back like the Christmas after that, and I, just, I just didn't think we were going to win at any point. <laughs> so yeah, unbelievable. absolutely brilliant. It was yeah. Thing. I mean,
0: the one the one good thing um about the the test from a Joe Root point of view, we talked about how he's obviously Brexit's Brexit uh, Joe, Joe Root, Root. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In that uh, he's been brilliant since since Brexit, um. And I was getting a bit worried that 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 was over until I saw the five, <laughs> <for eight. laughs> five wickets for eight. Well, okay, few, yeah, the Brexit. Uh, Brexit bonus of Joe Root has uh, is continuing, so at least that's something to take from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so one exactly. test to go. Yeah. I think if we lose, Australia are definitely out of the Test cricket World Cup final, which is happening at Lords later in the year. So that's right. something to aim for. I think if we if we can just yeah. get, get beaten fairly convincingly, that would be good. Oh, nice. Yeah. Then it will be India versus New Zealand at Lords, and we can prepare mm. an absolute snake pit green top for the Indians. Go, right, there you go, yeah. good luck. <laughs> and watch the New Zealanders go, oh, it's like Wellington, lovely. So yeah.
0: and or go out and buy the beige kit
1: obviously. Uh, yeah Yeah. As well. yeah, yeah. Mm. So so yeah I think that right. that'd be that'd be good. I think I think um but yeah it has made me hanker after live sport and um yeah. one thing that I, I did think about I was talking to my wife about what the best day of sport spectating, either ever has been or or could be. So at a time, so this week uh, we've had a bit of a roadmap of of relaxation of of restrictions from the government. So hopefully we'll be able to get um get in pubs soon. It's led to quite a lot of people saying what their like ideal first day back on the booze with their mates would be. So. So I think a bit of sport should should play into that. So um, mm. I don't know if you've got. I think it's maybe one we could, we should take away about what your ultimate kind of fantasy day on the sport is with lunch. You know, with food. I think food around it's going to be critical and, and drinks and all that sort yeah. of. Yeah. But um, have you have you mm. had a day which sort of sticks in your mind as being one of the greatest experiences?
0: Uh, well, yes.
1: Um... And not not only was it the the greatest sport,
0: it was one of the best days of my life. I would say, um, which sort of starts the day before and goes well into it's yeah, it's pretty much ends up being like forty eight hours work. <laughs> um, which actually, before before I say that, I have to uh, honourable mention to um, uh, a day that you provided, which was during the uh, the Rugby World Cup in two thousand and fifteen. Oh yeah. Um, where me having worked in Twickenham for about eight years or something, didn't get tickets for the World Cup, for the Rugby World Cup. And uh, a few days before it starts, you you conjure up (laughs) (laughs) this opportunity for me to come to France v Italy at Twickenham.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not only
0: that, but it being a work jolly as well. And so all paid for food like curry and stuff like that and uh drinks and uh, there was a shock result early
1: in the day was it yeah japan beat south africa early on yeah uh yeah which which was uh, amazing and then uh, everyone everyone loved that at the stadium we were in the french section for the french national anthem that's right exactly
0: yeah so that that day and that weekend for me was brilliant but that doesn't top um Yeah, the best day of sport by far for me, which is, uh, so I've been fortunate enough to go to a few, well, well, it's not fortune, actually, it's good planning, (laughs) but I've been to a few World Cups and some Euros, (laughs) and um, I went to the 2002 World Cup in Japan, and I uh, managed to, so I registered uh, as an England fan and managed to get a ticket for the match against Argentina in Sapporo. And my friend Alan, who I was going with, didn't register in time, but still came on the trip, and we, you know, had to just try and get tickets whilst we were there for him. So um, it, there, there are various things that stand out and, and why it makes it the, the the best day of sport. First, being um, getting to—I I remember getting to Sapporo. it was pretty much shut down by the locals because they were so scared of hooligans or fooligans, as they called them in Japan. Nice. Um, And uh, we we could barely find anywhere we were staying. We managed to find a hotel for that for the night before, but no rooms available for the night after. So that was another thing thinking, well, if we win, probably party all night anyway, if we lose, (laughs) we'll probably have to do that anyway. So let's let's see what happens. But we found this whiskey bar on the, the night before nobody in there, I think there were two other people in there because most people must have just stayed in their hotels if they had a bar because no, nowhere else was open uh, and uh, the, 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 the people working there were so excited. One of them had clearly learned an English phrase because he was <laughs> looking at his book and came up to us and said, what kind of music do you like? You like Beatles? And he ran off and he was getting high-fived by his other colleagues when he was working with put, put the Beatles on. That was brilliant, had a few whiskeys, went back to the hotel. The next day uh, is match day. We uh, had planned to go to the Sapporo Brewery. They do like a thing where you can eat two hours worth of food. Which you barbecue yourself and they bring the meat over. You barbecue that. You're getting unlimited amounts of booze coming. and meant to be there for two hours. We stayed for about four. Uh, I know for a fact that some people stayed for about eight hours because <laughs> there were some people we met who were already in there when we arrived. We met them at the ground later and they didn't even recognize us they were so drunk <laughs> um so that that was brilliant um we go from there to the ground the atmosphere is amazing we're still thinking right we need to get alan a ticket somehow hopefully there's an opportunity to do that um but whilst we're sort of milling about uh, a guy comes up to me from uh, some, uh south american uh radio station to do a bit of uh a, an interview with me about how how i feel about the match and he's trying to coax me into saying you know uh, stuff about the falklands war and what have you but i'm like no no uh it's not about that it's it, england argentina for me england argentina is the biggest it's, football rivalry we have and Germany has come in and out at times and uh, Scotland is a big one but for me it's single in Argentina. And I was saying I was talking about I was talking about nineteen sixty six World Cup and nineteen eighty six World yeah, Cup yeah. and even what's happened four years before and Every match being crucial, even friend, friendlies that we played mm-hmm. against them have been like, huge. Um, and I could see him smiling because I could tell it was that recognition. Of, good, I've got something I can use here. probably been speaking to drunk English fans all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably actually so that was good. And then we, we bumped into these people. Alan managed to negotiate with them. Some clandestine swapping of money and tickets. And, <laughs> and managed to get a ticket um, uh, for the game because they had a spare. And we end up in the same part of the stadium. Amazing. <laughs> where we end up just because everyone stood, just standing next to each other anyway. Um, and then the the two final things that were just brilliant. Obviously, we won the game, mm. um, and everyone watching on telly would have enjoyed it. But it was the fact we were among what forty thousand people or something in a game that's probably being watched by probably a billion people around the world or something like that. Yeah. And there's this moment that you can. Pinpoint that I can pinpoint, and that day that as an England football fan is is the peak moment of my England football fan fandom, which is um, that before before that game uh, we drawn with Sweden, which we often do in World Cups. Yeah. Lots of criticism, um, I'm sure at home. Lots of criticism. Everyone we talked to whilst we were in Japan was just talking about the same old England, etc. Players were feeling it. Um, and there was a bit of negativity there, but just so we're in the ground for quite a while. And then finally, the England players start coming out. Beckham, ahead of the others by about 10 yards, comes out, throws the ball in front of him, kicks it sort of to, along the ground towards the England fans, runs towards his hands in the air, clapping all the players do it behind. Every time I talk about this, I get goosebumps, as I'm doing now. Um, and we were just, we went absolutely mad. And there was this feeling that. All of us were in it together, all these all the England fans and the players were in this together, and we were going to get through this match together and win it. And that moment was just an absolute pinnacle as I've said, the pinnacle. A high point of my England sporting life, it was amazing. Wearing the shirt now, the England shirt. Yeah, I the reverse nice, of that, yeah. England shirt that we wore on Um, so so that was amazing. And then the final thing was we won, went back into the town centre. And uh, there was a small group of England fans, really small group, and we went over and joined them. There were like um, cameras flashing, so the press had obviously gone into this town centre. We jumped in there, and there were some Japanese people dancing around. And me and Alan started singing this song that we'd heard. Uh, the Irish singing, I think, uh, when they played Germany, we went to that match, which is Hello, (laughs) Konichiwa. We started singing it, Japanese started singing it, everyone started singing it and we felt like celebrities on the cameras, (laughs) etc. It was amazing. And um, a couple of days later, we were at another match where someone came up to us and said, you're in Sapporo, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, we saw you on the news (laughs) on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then the final thing to top it off is getting home and finding out we've been on the bbc as well um as the cam cameras panning across i mean it's ridiculous isn't it as the the camera's panning across the fans it stops with me and alan Hugging each other, looking like the happiest people in the world, and then some song starts, and we start singing that, which I prob- think was probably We're Not Going Home because we sang a lot of that. that night. <laughs> we're not going home, we're not, and yeah, people at work saw me, etc. It was just so that that's an extreme example, obviously, yeah, of a perfect nice, uh... day. Well, day and a half.
1: I mean, um, that that does sound yeah. like all the factors contributed, and you were enormously lucky, but I know you've had a lot of miserable trips at World Cup games as well, so it's
0: yeah. I was at England and Algeria, so it
1: all balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think so, yeah, it does that was that was amazing. I mean one of the sort of common themes that came out when we were talking about ideal days of, of sport was was how much how invested you are to your teams. Because sometimes it's mm-hmm. you'd be really depressed if if like we don't win. So for an hour after the Scotland Wales game I was not brilliant to be with. Um, yeah, but so sometimes actually it's more enjoyable to go to a game where you don't have in much invested in it. But then yeah. obviously if you do win after the game is absolutely brilliant. So it's yeah. you know, it's 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 called sort of feast or famine, really. Um I mentioned about the the three the three types of Bloody Mary Day that in Boston. Yes. Going to see the oh, we're gonna
0: revisit that. Yeah, so,
1: so that game, um so because they play baseball like every day. They, they were playing the um, the team on the Friday night and the Saturday afternoon, and we could have got tickets to either. So we chose a Saturday afternoon so we could have a night out on the Friday, hence the Bloody Marys we needed. But then we walked to this like really historic ground. It's amazing. We had these tickets that are standing, but there's like different tiers of standing. We went for the top level. But it basically means there's loads of different places you can stand. So you can watch an inning from somewhere and then you can move around and watch another inning. It's really good and you get to see all around the ground and it's a bit like Lords. Anyway, they were playing one of the best teams in baseball at the time, the Houston Astros, who won actually won the World Series that year but got done for cheating because they were stealing the signs. You know, they do like these funny signs to say it is. So someone was filming them and then hitting a bin which then the batter would hear and know what was coming anyway, that was amazing that's maybe like a story for another millionaire yeah, level, uh, cheating. maybe a story <laughs> for another day but um, yeah. anyway so the Boston Red Sox were playing and the Boston and Red Sox won the game but it actually meant they won their division which sealed them a place in the playoffs and they only win their division probably once in three or four years because they're in the same division as the Yankees. And they play 80 home games a year. So for us to actually be there the day they won the division was amazing. And then mm. because of where it is, we then just walked back into the city, like through the sort of trendy bit of the city, went to loads of craft beer places. I think for a long time in my life, I just sort of was resigned to the fact that if you were watching sport, you had to drink really crap beer. And that's definitely not the case anymore. Like even Spurs' new ground has got Beaver Town. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Will you know, you've got... <laughs> And it just, for me, that is a massive upgrade. Um, so that is mm. one of the best ones. And, and Sammy Moore, I've, she said, yeah, it was just, it was a great day. And she wasn't even, for her, the sport was just like a reason to be out. <laughs> so yeah. for, for me, it does become a bit more the before and after. And actually your example, that France-Italy game, France won, it was very underwhelming. The yeah, game, I don't remember now, much about it. I don't really it. remember much about it. But we weren't well, that drunk. But it was just the occasion was great. And then we went back into Twickenham for another beer afterwards and- All Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think those uh, those sorts of days, we'd had lined up um, when lockdown came down. So Harlequins, who, my, my rugby club, that I have a season ticket for, were playing away to Saracens and they moved it to Spurs grounds. And we got 35 tickets for a group mm. of us to go. And do like craft craft beer places nearby, bit of food beforehand, and then beaver town at the ground, and it all got canned. So yeah, oh, very disappointing because it was yeah. like the end of March. So, oh, so yeah, and I, still, I still haven't been to that ground. I don't really want to go and watch Spurs play, but I do really want to go there. So you
0: should you should come to American football would be yeah definitely once, once that starts up again. Oh yeah, it's a it, American football brilliant spectator sport for the reasons you've said. Um, and yeah, if going at Spurs, with really good. The food's decent. They've got breweries, microbreweries in there, and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely want to do. It. I definitely agree that yeah, the occasion. So the sport is the reason for for um, for those good days. It's the thing you're doing, but it's the thing, all the things around it that happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. The I remember
0: who you're with.
1: Yeah. I did. I did say that World Cup. I went to a couple of Scotland matches that we we won, and. um, I went to one at St. James's Park in Newcastle, and I was on the end of a row, and they'd fixed the beer prices across the whole country for all the games. So all the people who'd come down to Newcastle from Scotland refused to pay because it was so expensive, but actually it was quite a lot cheaper than London. So it was like (laughs) £4 for a bottle of Heineken. And I could... So as a result, no one was going to the bar. I was on the end of the row. So I remember for a goal kick, the kicker would put the tea down, and when he put the tea down, I went to the bar, and by the time I got back to the seats with like three beers... He hadn't even kicked it yet. It was great. Because <laughs> That is one of the downsides about rugby is you do cube the bar a lot. It's um yeah. and miss actually quite a lot of the game. So
0: And that's why American football's good because there's so many natural stops. Yeah, yeah. You never miss anything.
1: <laughs> so so I think that's enough on oh, cricket no. for now.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the cricket covered, excellent. <laughs> Shall we move on? I, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the the return of the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, and I think it's been pretty good. Um, there's been some entertaining games. There's been uh, a few notable things. It's um, it it's made me think. Well, what about some of the great Champions League moments or memorable things that have happened in the past? Uh, and I'm just wondering, yeah, from your point of view, what what are some of the things that you remember the Champions League for?
1: Um, so I I was thinking. I caught a sort of documentary on BT Sport not that long ago about uh, clubs from, that were from really small places that you used to get on a run in Europe, and I think it's something that doesn't really happen anymore. Like the last eight of the Champions League, you can pretty much guess it's going to be. At least seven of them, yeah. The one that stuck in my mind, and I think it was when the Champions League was a bit had a bit of a funky like two group stage type structure. Mm. Um, was uh, IFK Gothenburg got really far. One year, oh, yeah. and they had like quite a lot of favourite players who went on to bigger teams. And um, Blomqvist ended up at Man United. I remember yeah. when they won the Champions League, and 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 I think they'd been quite big in the late seventies, maybe as well. Gothenburg, I think they'd won a couple of co- uh, like the lesser competitions. Yeah, and that is one of the things that I, I prefer a bit more knockout football. I think yeah. the Europa League should be straight knockout. Um, I agree, because I don't mind loads of teams having to play loads of games to win it, but you should also have the chance of bailing out really early as, as well if you're not that fussed about it. Um, mm. So I do, I do miss I miss that, and even like I don't think there's that many new teams. It feels like, I mean, it came up this week that oh, Olymp- Arsenal have got to play Olympiacos. Doesn't that happen that every yeah,
0: yeah, it does pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> happened last year. It, yeah, it does. And that, I'm saying the same thing last year when we were drawn against them. All oh, right, them again. Yeah. I've been to see that get that fixture at least a couple of times in the past two. I just yeah. feel like that.
1: Yeah, that novelty of Europe is the fact you're playing teams you don't normally play. But actually, yeah. and that's the one of the biggest failings of the European Super League idea, is that mm. I just think you'd you'd be ending up playing some teams who are average. They'd just be average for our higher level, and you'd be bored of playing Atalanta away because you yeah. playing them and beat them every time anyway so mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that I mean Atalanta are one team who actually have got on a bit more of a run in recent seasons and look really good nice. yeah. that's what everyone they were sort of everyone's second favourite team last year mm-hmm. I did really enjoy the little eight team mini competition they had last year that they, they do you remember they did it in like a week? They did the court. Of month. course,
0: that yes. Week. In Portugal, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought was that was great. really good. <laughs> yeah. That will um, never. That will never stick. But I. No. Th- I thought that I'd love to
1: see that again. So. um Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? Um. What? The other thing which we touched on earlier, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll set you up for the great <laughs> Champions League highlights player ever.
0: Well. One of the great things about watching um, the Champions League in what would, would have been what, the noughties? Yeah. Was um, the bit where at half time they quickly whiz around the other grounds and show you what's happening. And they'd always go to Leon. And <laughs> the first thing you'd see was Janino, the the uh, Panam P- really, yeah. Everyone knows. Leon Janino. Yeah, yeah landing somewhere near the, the halfway line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he used to put it down really really scientifically, yeah. didn't he? Exactly. Before anyone then, else would do it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then running running towards the ball and inevitably spanking it into the into the top corner. Everyone knows what he's going to do. And no one can stop him from doing it. Unbelievable. It's just it was and watching I I would recommend everybody to just <laughs> put Go and find a YouTube compilation of his free kicks. They're unbelievable from all sorts of angles and distances. Um, yeah. Makes goalkeepers look completely stupid.
1: Yeah. This is the thing we touched on earlier that we mentioned every time we go to the pub, wasn't it? That. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Sorry, I was, letting, I was watching Juninho's free, free kicks on YouTube. Because <laughs> some of them are really wide as well. It's like, yeah. you definitely cross from there. Oh no, he's just slammed it at the outside of his foot. And, um, yeah, and it's gone in and at least every other one ends up with the keeper either stood stock still, they just haven't moved and it's gone in quite close to them or they're like tangled up in the net where they've just been completely (laughs) bewildered by what's gone on in the flight of the ball
0: plenty of them being tangled up in the net particularly the ones that go over them at an angle where (laughs) they they don't they have nothing to do except stumble backwards yeah, yeah
1: Um, There seems to be a few players now who try those sorts of things. I mean, the Ronaldo keep free kick is a bit more of a controlled version. Of, yeah. But um, I mean, Genia yeah. didn't really do all that much else, did he? Like he.
0: No, uh, he he pretty much was like a special teams player <laughs> in American football. <laughs> He'd basically be there. He wasn't particularly quick. He'd be there if they got a free kick, which was better than a penalty for them at that point, <laughs> and just spank it into the net.
1: I think yeah. his international uh, career. Probably was pretty brief I think he played two or three games I think mm. one was against someone like someone rubbish and he scored like three free kicks and then played another one where <laughs> he, he had to run around and got dropped again <laughs> so, <laughs> um,
0: that sounds like him uh, I'm, I'm surprised he's taken us three three uh, yeah free, I, free, I am a bit disappointed a
1: shock yeah yeah we should like have really made we, the pot after him
0: well, yeah, we should. Maybe we will still do that. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about um, uh, European football being about uh, clubs. not It's not really about playing teams you know well, like teams from your own country. One of my favourite moments, though, involves that, which is Chelsea-Man U Champions League final, which, for me, is one of those games which I... Would you know? I'd, I'd leave the country to avoid, generally, because I hate them both so much. So, I didn't watch that Champions League final. I went to see Iron Man at the Odeon in Greenwich, um, <laughs> and I enjoyed it immensely. Um, and came came out and put the radio on to find out what, which one of the two horrible things had happened. One being slightly worse than the other, which mm. is Chelsea winning, uh, to find that it was still going on. Um, and I think I might have caught right at the end. Now, if but if you had told me that John Terry would have a penalty to win the Champions League, slip in the rain and miss, uh, and then cry afterwards, I would have watched that game. I would take it. <laughs> and I'd be watching it probably right now. Um that so even though I didn't see it, that for me is one of my absolute favourite. <laughs> didn't see it live but it's
1: one of of my favourite Champions League moments I watched it after so it was cricket practice night so we we practiced until it got dark and then went and sat in the bar and um, watched the end of it and I remember there was one guy on our team who was very much into the like psychology of sport and he's like he'd kind of talked his way into the team and ended up getting Drop down the teams and leaving the club, and he's subsequently done that about three or four other clubs, I think. Um, and he, he sort of said, As John Terry walked up, because I think they still had some pretty decent penalty takers left, but he'd like said, I want the fifth one. He was like, This is brilliant, captain. See this brilliant, like step up, take responsibility, brilliant. I think someone said, Well, it's brilliant if he scores, but and then he missed. so yeah, there you go. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. That's a lovely little nugget uh, to add to that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I did um, I did massively enjoy Giroud's overhead kick. I know it's for Chelsea. I've still not seen it. I need to watch not. it. No. It was ruined by the fact that um, he scored it and they immediately ruled it out for offside and then checked it and had to spend... It was two and a half minutes checking it. Because... Um, it turned out it was the defender who'd hooked it, tried to clear it, cleared it towards the goal. So Jury was offside, but because the defender played it, he was onside. Yeah, on the side and he's he, onside. Scissor kicked it in. No, uh, sort of yeah. kicked it in. So, yeah. Mm. He's... Um, okay. So, yeah, I didn't see the games the previous week with the right. Mbappe.
0: Which I wanted to touch on there. That's the other thing I wanted to discuss. So, uh, Champions... Uh, the... Um yeah, that first round of fixtures, um PSG beat Barcelona four one with an Mbappe hat trick. <clears throat> Have you seen that picture of him running a lot? It's like it's like Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Um <laughs> him in midair with Gerald PK trying to pull back his shirt. It's absolutely brilliant. It sums up exactly what happened in that match. Um and also on, on um I think it was the same night. Uh, Dortmund beat Sevilla 3-2 and Haaland scored a couple of goals. So the phrase changing of the guard has been used so much um, since then that it's, uh, you know, that that it's terrifying. And I um, wanted your take on the fact that everyone's saying so Mbappe and Haaland are the new Ronaldo and Messi. (laughs) Uh, I mean, their records are are quite incredible. Uh, Their recent records. So if you look at um, Erlen Haaland, he's he scored 64 goals, I think. Uh, well, this is this is um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. This will have to be corrected next goals. week. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. We can say things with <laughs> yeah. with utter confidence because yeah, we just, know just we can make just make come out, back to it. <laughs> right, cool. So 64 goals in 59 games, 18 Champions League goals, uh, and seven assists in that mbappe 58 games 44 goals 10 champions league goals 19 assists i mean th- these are these are ridiculous stats and um now when these comparisons come back i always think why can't people just sort of enjoy the fact that we've got two great players why do you yeah, need to yeah. compare them but my question to you is who's better
1: <laughs> out of those
0: two <laughs> yeah and who's who's the one who's going to end up being like, talked about in sort of Ronaldo y sort of terms, and who's the one who's going to end up like
1: forgotten? <laughs> so, <laughs> or are they both? Yeah, it it's a serious. good question because the, the ones I'm, I'm, I get, I hear more of the time is, is are they going to be, are they the next Messi and Ronaldo? And then loads of people say, well, they're not because they play in two rubbish leagues. And it's like, well, hmm. Mbappe, so the French league is, isn't very good. Um, Mm -hmm. but they are third in that league at the minute so it can't be that bad Um, Mm. but you they could afford to rest him quite a bit for the big games and he has you know what was it Champions League final last year they're looking pretty good this year and he's won the World Cup and he's 20 Mm -hmm. and didn't he won the league at Monaco as well so he Mm -hmm. has done it with another team admittedly in a weaker league. Um, Yeah. But that sort of ignores the fact that Messi and Ronaldo benefit from the fact that they don't really pay goal difference in the Spanish league. So when they're 2-0 up against rubbish teams, some of them just Mm. pack it in and they win like 6 or 7-0. And they've got so many hat-tricks between them. You know, that doesn't happen in the Premier League all that much. True. They're like, you know, Liverpool weren't spanking teams 6-7 every week. I mean, Man City have their periods, don't they, when they do it. But... Um, so
0: but the Champions League is I guess a bit of a leveler in terms of right everyone's playing at a higher higher level and they're doing yeah. really well in that aren't they
1: yeah yeah that is that is that is definitely true I I, I think I mean I think the German league like the bottom of the German league is, is better than the bottom of the Spanish league I think mm. and if he was playing for Bayern it's a bit different because Bayern are miles better than those people uh, Hart, yeah yeah true whereas Dortmund yeah. have had a bit of a Sticky period, and they're they're pretty good, but um, yeah. So, I I'd, yeah. I'd say Mbappe's going to be the absolute superstar out of the two, but it doesn't mean I think Haaland's going to fade yeah. away into nothing. Ha- it sounds is... like he's going to move.
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, everyone moves from Dortmund eventually. Do yeah. the insane
1: like move now at the end of the season? Um, yeah.
0: Could well happen,
1: but I don't know but where. A lot of money. Best. I think he's he's got a release clause, which isn't that high. So Oof. the top was eighty. And it's like okay. I mean, That's you're getting still a feel, lot of years. Like it does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of time. I mean, someone like Man City, he would. Yeah. I mean, they haven't. The one thing they haven't got is a striker. Yeah,
0: and Aguero's you know, coming towards the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hazy seems a bit hit and miss. I mean, he can not be amazing, but you need more than yeah. one option. And actually, a lot of the time, they've been playing De Bruyne up, up front. Ish. The
0: thought of Harlan going to um, Man City is making me feel a bit sick in my stomach because he is—he is—he's um, phenomenal. I mean, he's almost unstoppable um, <laughs> at times, and he scores some of the He can score every type of goal, so yeah, he, yeah. he gets poachers' goals, loads of them. He. Bangs in screamers like batted stupid. He's got a really he,
1: nice volley yeah. last weekend.
0: Um, yeah, exactly. Acrobatic okay, yeah. stuff. His positioning is good. He can he contributes as well outside the box. I mean, it's ridiculous. Whereas Mbappe is a very different sort of player. Much more, much more about speed and skill and, and beating the last man. That's all. Yeah, of. yeah. But both brilliant. Both. Yeah, Harlan going to Man City would almost
1: It'd be frightening. Uh, be unfair. Yeah, yeah. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want that to happen. That no, on, on but you,
1: you you can see him fitting into an overall kind of Pet Guardiola type team. Whereas, definitely, you know, I I wonder sometimes if Man City would, you know, they'd benefit from getting whoever the modern version of Darren Bent is, who just shins the ball in, but he scores billions. <laughs> they just need someone.
0: Fox to... in the box. Fox well, in the box. Yeah. Arsenal whereas... fell foul of that appro- that <laughs> attempted approach, didn't they? With Francis Jeffers. True. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> But you know, I, I. So Haaland could be part of a particularly good team. I mean, it's quite interesting now because you feel like, I don't know if you feel I feel like the 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 best that it really there's an English team who will contend probably Man City, and then PSG, and Bayern. Mm. I'm not sure Juve don't like they're not. Top of their league this year, and the Spanish team seem in a bit of a sort of yeah. downturn in their cycle. I think that's right. But Mbappe and Haaland will potentially end up at one of those as well. So you could imagine yeah. like Haaland going to buy a Tabone to Barcelona and being that sort of player, and, and then Mbappe turning mm. up at Real Madrid. That's um, been talked about, yeah. Yeah, which mm. so, um yeah mm. it'll be interesting who do, who do you fancy for it to win the, Champions to win the Champions League, yeah
0: uh i would go at this stage with bayern again just because that's an easy answer <laughs> because they're always <laughs> going to be there or thereabouts and then and, uh,
1: yeah as it holds more interest for you the europa league fancy um, chances what, I think
0: I actually looked at for the first time at who's like who's actually in it <laughs> the other day when we got through and there's not many scary teams the hardest teams really are going to be the English there's a couple of decent decent teams in there from Italy and uh, maybe one from Spain but um I think the toughest matches will be against uh, Man
1: U or Spurs and Another uh, on and and who? Can't, can't enter because they got through to the Champions League, yeah, school? exactly. Because yeah, they went so in almost every year, don't they? Yeah,
0: yeah, so. yeah. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it, I'd, I'd love us to draw Rangers. I don't, I can't remember Arsenal playing Rangers in, in Europe, yeah, yeah. Before. That would be great would if be we could get the Olympiacos this year, but yeah, yeah, Europe League's been good as well. And Arsenal scraping through, um, was uh, was yeah, stressful but very enjoyable, so.
1: Yeah. I feel like it suffered a bit this year when, because you can watch football almost every day, I mm. when it was, football wasn't on as much and I could watch a bit of, oh, I was like, watch some Europa League as it's on, whereas like, this yeah. football on every day, I'm not going to watch some Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: fair enough. Wait till the semis and then get into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay. So, shall we move on then to gold, silver, bronze, Dean Macy? Yeah. Which has connections with with, a few of the things we've discussed uh, today. So, this time we're going to be talking about um, in-stadium music stroke entertainment. So, things that aren't the actual sport themselves that are done within the grounds, you know, in terms of entertainment. so. We, yeah we've talked about like the 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 fat the experience of going to uh to to you know the perfect day of sport and things like that uh now for me the the, the sport is still when you're in the stadium the sport's still the reason you're there mm. um and i think sometimes that can be forgotten so some of the things that i'm going to sort of mention are about things that are just a few grumpy old man things about <laughs> why isn't it about the sport <laughs> And um, yeah, also a connection with the Champions League. One, one reason why I thought of this is because um, the and cha- we just talked about the Champions League and Europa League. Champions League has this great anthem at the beginning, and I haven't been to a few matches. Uh, it Actually, when you're in the stadium, it's quite good. It really gets you in the mood. You can tell the players are sort of quite quite into it as well. You know, we are the champion. Anyway, that everyone knows the song. The um, Europa League has an anthem as well. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. It is absolutely dreadful. It's like I mean, it's music. better
1: than your version, but it is bad. Is it? Yeah. But is it? <laughs>
0: I'm not sure. Maybe we should do some research into that for next week. But um, it, it's it's like it's like an anthem for, for like a villain in a dystopian film, like The Hunger Games or something. How that is meant to inspire anybody, I've, I have no idea. So sometimes these things can be good and sometimes they 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 aren't but so we're going to talk about worst examples of uh, of those 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 in stadium music entertainment etc do you have you got anything to kick off with
1: yeah so um, i went i used to live in nottingham and i once attended but this is this is a very specific example of a much wider genre I once okay. attended a Nottingham Panthers ice hockey game which, uh, so it's like the, the highest level of ice hockey in Britain which is, you know, impressive but it's a lot of mm. washed up Canadians flying their trade in the British yes. uh, and it was like everything you expect ice hockey to be it was quite violent and it was quite high scoring and it was a good day and it was they were playing Sheffield Steelers and I think that was like the local derby hey, Um rivalry But they had some cheerleaders. (laughs) Right. UK cheerleaders are not the same, really not the same. So it's like three sort of 14 year old, like real Croydon facelift, you know, tightly pulled back hair and it just trying their best. But it was pretty, it looked like they'd sort of assembled their dance routine in the queue for Primark, where they did the all <laughs> afternoon, and it was just. So not think, Primark. This is not. This is not what the Americans envisaged when they got cheerleaders involved. <laughs> I Think. So I do, and I think there's a, a lot of things where we've tried to imitate US sport, and it's just really bad. <laughs> um, yeah. And in some ways, we should just embrace the crapness of of. British sport and and just it is what it is and I think there's
0: something in that yeah and have it having been to American football and seeing like their cheerleaders do their thing and it's like it's yeah it works it's fine it, it fills a gap during the, the many breaks that there are <laughs> yeah. in American sport and they do it well they you can tell they put a lot of effort into it and yeah I can <laughs> I think that's a <laughs> a decent shout. Mm-hmm.
1: What 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 have you got?
0: Um. So, here, so goal well goal celebration music, in 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 football, uh, and other sports, but football in particular is one of those ones where I just think what, why why do why do we need it? Um, Arsenal have started doing it, and I um, hadn't in the past. Brilliantly though. <laughs> Apparently the game, I think it was against Leeds on Valentine's day. They played still Dre. Still, that was, <laughs> that was the goal seven If that's true, which I think it is, that's, that's, that's genius. But they've also played good old Arsenal. I've heard recently, which is their old, I think that's their walk, walk on music at the moment as well. Um, I just don't, it annoys me. It's not a football thing. And, and you get some of the worst, particularly in Europe, some of the worst Euro pop you've ever heard used as goal music um just it's it's embarrassing it's not needed that the the scoring of a goal is enough course for well, celebration that's, that's, some,
1: that's the peak you know. noise so well, what, yeah you need music at that that point yeah
0: yeah who's it who is it in the stadium that needs the music to get more excited about their team scoring a goal that's that's what I would want to know
1: i mean and absolutely I food, no I'm disagreement tea. here so
0: yeah
1: know, okay i, I um. If I'm trying to think of a, a point when it might be excusable, I, I can't really think of one. I, th- I think when they announce the goal scorer, i.e. when the cheering has subsided yeah. a bit, there's scope to play something which is a bit yeah. like, come on, or something like that. And mm-hmm. that, but yeah, I I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's just... Well, my next one, to move on a completely different direction, is uh, yeah, music when they score tries. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much exactly the same. But they went through a period at Murrayfield of playing music every time Scotland score. Now, it was a time where we didn't score very much, so there were games when then it was never used. But I remember it came up in a game where we played someone tier two who were rubbish, and they had to play, so every time they scored a try, played music, same music every time. And it was 500 miles by the Proclaimers, which I absolutely hate. That <laughs> and one of the best bits of footage I've seen of music being used in a football ground is uh, so there's another Proclaimers song, uh, Sunshine on Leith, which yeah. has now mm-hmm. spawned a musical and a um, yeah. film, I think. It's actually quite good. Mm. Uh, it's Hibs's anthem and they played it um at so hibs won the cup about 7 years ago so it's at hamden um and they did so they go up for the trophy everyone's got the, their medals trophy half of the ground is chocker block with green and white and the other half of the ground is dead empty completely empty and so it's all finished and everyone's like right what now You have got the trophy and they play it on the PA system and everyone sings along word for word and it's absolutely amazing and like the wow. the it, it gives me goosebumps I'm not even a Hits fan Um mm. all the players know all the words because it's just a proper um, and it just for those two things of the proclaimers to be the two completely opposite ends <laughs> of the scale <laughs> yeah it's just so annoying at the rugby and and um, yeah they don't they don't do it at Quinn's I think they have music when the teams come out which is fine and then halfway through each half um, they'll when it, there's a little lull they'll play this little intro and that is your cue to sing the Quinn's song right. and because they get like it's a bit of a kid's kind of family atmosphere and you sing the the Quinn song which is an excerpt from the mighty Quinn by turns out Manfred Mann someone yes. once asked me on the train expecting me not to know and not knowing who I am <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah the Proclaimers is it's just awful song awful time to use it awful awful awful
0: yeah yeah, my, my next one is 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 about time and place as well. And, you know, there's the, the, the some things that, that might work in certain situations, but not others. Before I do that, just to save us a clarification for the next uh, podcast, uh, Bob Dylan wrote Mighty Quinn and Mantra of Bands is a famous cover, the most famous cover oh. and of it. So, yeah, we don't need to address that next week. Every day's is a school day. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, even, even, even remembering this is is annoying me. So, I went to Euro two thousand sixteen, uh, and we got tickets for the Italy versus Belgium match, which was probably the tie of the group stages okay. in that tournament. Um, and that was it. It was in Leon. It's great, brilliant. Okay, we're going to get to watch two teams who could Well, Belgium were obviously on the rise. they was doing well. Yeah. They didn't know that. Wales in wait for them at that <laughs> point. Um, Italy, as we know, could can win a tournament or get knocked out in the group stages. It's usually one or the other, to be fair. Um, so we're, we're there, me and, me and uh, three, uh, three mates. We get in the stadium, ah, brilliant. Top tier behind a goal. Fantastic. Great view. Uh, Atmosphere sort of building up. And uh, we notice about... Uh, these people sort of coming in with their instruments about 10 rows in front of us they all sit there, sit, sit down thinking oh right, okay, they've obviously been in the concourse entertaining the crowd uh, you know, good, you know party atmosphere, what have you I notice on their backs um, this this really this whole thing really wound me up I've I've been to I, I went to football in the 80s uh, and been in stadiums and I've never seen anything that annoyed me as much as this <laughs> Or that I found as offensive. Um, so they had on their backs fan entertainment, right? That's Isn't already that, annoying.
1: Yeah, yeah, really that could
0: be annoying. enough. I could stop there. But uh, this group of people with their drums and their uh, their instruments, who I thought had been entertaining people in the concourse and were probably going to do the same at half time, about ten minutes into the match, stood up and started playing their drums and blowing their horns and just like performing. During the match, getting in our way, so we couldn't even properly see it. They're obviously UEFA um sanctioned individuals, I'll call them. Um, and, and started doing that for about five minutes. And How a few did people the other fans... started clapping along with it. Yeah, some people started clapping along, and I'm like I'm there looking around, like, am I imagining this? Yeah. Are I'm... we not here to watch a brilliant game of football to two of the top teams in the tournament?
1: And if I had to generalise about groups of nationality, like football fans, yeah. I'd say the Italians and the Belgians are sort of fairly hard-line, kind of yeah. pretty committed to their football. Ultras, I would have said the same. Know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have looked at that fixture as one to trial this out.
0: Neither would I. Um, it was horrific, and it just went on and on. And like, as I said, they're in the way. And considering at most sports grounds, someone gets up in front of you to go for a pint. It's like, sit down! Yeah, yeah. There was there was, there was none of that. People were just... Some people even clapped along with them. And they sat down. It annoyed me. I, 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 it ruined my day completely. Um, uh, more, I'm talking about it years later.
1: I'm already you know, regretting go. asking this before I've asked it, but I'm going to do it anyway. What style of music was it?
0: Like, samba-style drums. Okay. <laughs> and, and percussion and and uh that sort of thing it was it was just and um, well beyond but uh, not, not just unnecessary but like like a provocative act it was like they were you know i'm, I'm surprised they didn't get the 0.5 beer that they served up thrown at them to be <laughs> honest because it was it was that awful awful that was my abiding memory of that match rather than whatever yeah. the score ended up being so why just why do that there's a time and a place for it and it's not during the match it's at half time (laughs) or before so that for me is the worst yeah the worst thing i've seen from from that i mean that
1: does sound quite irritating i think the (laughs) the the use of the term fan entertainment has yeah pretty much it's annoying me (laughs) and i wasn't even there (laughs) good Could spare my pain. What else have you got? So, Super Bowl halftime shows.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: I do think Prince has ruined it for everyone now.
0: By being quite good.
1: Yeah. Like, it just. Mm. That sort of. I think it's a combination of Prince. So, I was never a massive Prince fan. Mm. And then I saw him at something like the Brits, and I was like. Blimey, this is like obviously someone who is amazing live. I didn't even knew he played the guitar, really. I just thought he was a singer. <laughs> right, and I saw him on the Brits, and it's like, right, okay. And then the Super Bowl is just that sort of thing, isn't it? It's just got to be. It's mm. got to be quite broad. And I just, it's just modern people. Now. Well, They're just yeah, I know what you mean. Um I would say, and, and
0: yeah, Prince, absolute like hi – Hi, Walter, Mark, and very similar experience. And I was never a fan. And I had a friend who was massively into him. We went to one of his gigs. It's the best gig I've ever been to in terms of quality by a mile. It's the best scholarship. Um, But um, I I, I would say with the Super Bowl, the last couple have actually been I think they've sort of stopped trying to get like someone who's gonna put on like this mega um, thing and just done something that just just works in that time. So this time there weren't many fans in the stadium. It wasn't full. They had the weekend and he came and just did and you know, he's got a quite a popular song at the moment, which obviously yeah. he was always to do. <laughs> um and uh they just the staging was good. They had tons of people on, you know, dressing these they they covered the social distancing thing with these masks oh, things okay. were really well. It just it just sort of worked. And last year was um Shakira and J-Lo Bit of a throwback, you know, years past. There, I do, I,
1: yeah, I remember. My wife was saying, good, it was good, it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so those sort of things are work. Um, work. There's been times when you know, try and get some some big star, or and it and it's just a bit like, yeah.
1: I have, I really have got one it. slightly similar to that, but I'll, I'll finish off with that. Have you got any more?
0: Okay, I do have one. One which is um, opening ceremonies, uh, generally, but the absolute pinnacle for me, 1994 <laughs> USA World <Cup> ceremony. <laughs> Where, um, now everyone knows about, I mean, this is a tournament that, that started and finished with a penalty miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Dinah Ross missed, and obviously I've watched it again in, in thinking about this. And the penalty miss is so bad. She's about two yards out, yeah. hits it about three yards wide and the goal explodes anyway.
1: She, I mean, her shoes do look difficult to take a penalty, and I will give it that—that the footwear. That's fair. She, she knew she had to do it, so she should have thought that through.
0: She should have. Yeah, exactly. It was obviously a key moment in the whole ceremony, yeah. really, so that—that's bad. While she's singing, "I'm coming out," and, and missing a penalty massively. Um, but what I what I discovered watching it, what <laughs> watching as much of it as I could, was there's this horrific sequence where the the, um, where they get people from each country, I presume they were actually from those countries. So a group of people to get on a podium and do what looks like about a minute of dance and maybe song that represents that country. Oh, it's horrific. <laughs> Even that's so cringeworthy, um, you know, dressed in those, some Nigerians in green and white dancing around and some, some Mexicans. And, and I'm just thinking this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Who thought this was a good idea? Um, for some reason, Oprah Winfrey is there. Um, I mean, well, that could be
1: it... used as a criticism of a lot of US um, <laughs> events, yeah. really, isn't it, at the moment? Or at any time. It's like, oh, that... That's, tr-
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's just, so, um, Open ceremonies are awful and overblown and pointless anyway. People just want to see the match. Um, and that, that for me, is probably one, yeah, has to be one of the worst examples. Although I do think maybe it was the 82 World Cup they had some birds in a ball or something that were meant to fly out and one died or something. <laughs> anyway, we can, we can always come and re- correct that next, next time. Next but, time, um, definitely.
1: Well, my, but that does that, lead nicely onto mm. my final one, which was when... Go on. So, everyone remembers the 2012 opening ceremony mm. uh, yes. Olympics. Not many people remember the closing ceremony. I do, and I know where you're going with it. George Michael insisting on playing his new song come on George
0: what a move
1: just play freedom and get out (laughs) (laughs) I mean come on we'll take careless whisper you know (laughs) anyone who insists on on playing their new stuff when they've got an established back catalogue of bangers it's like so I remember once going to Brixton Academy to see Lenny Kravitz Mm. going for a piss and the guy next to me around are going new album yeah yeah definitely time for a wee <laughs> and that's just that is just it isn't it like yeah wait for the first few bars don't know this one go to the bar yeah of, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. I'm
0: going to play a couple of new ones now yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks <laughs> I actually cheers has got a heads up John Mayer <laughs> at one of his gigs at the O2 went uh, so a few years ago I did this album uh it didn't do very well financially uh but i really like it but if you don't have all my albums now it's probably time to the, gate to the bar <laughs> it's like good self-awareness yep so. <laughs>
0: that is good uh, so yes that's a right. good one actually i like i like that so um right i think we've got a few there <laughs> to consider
1: uh, yes, so I think the band... The fan Entertainment, is, a, is an outright gold. That's possibly a world record, isn't it? Uh, I think so. In, in that particular uh, yeah. event.
0: Was, yeah. It's shocking. Um, I mentioned it um, a couple of days ago to a couple of friends just to make sure I didn't imagine it. And yes, they remember it too. So yeah, it, fan entertainment on on in gold
1: medal place. Um, I think gold, oh, straight try... Celebration music can get in the bin as well. Definitely.
0: Yeah, it's just, it's pointless and annoying. No one would mourn its passing.
1: Um
0: What else needs to go on?
1: I think George Michael would be more than happy with the Dean Macy slot. He's I think definitely it's a, a sure-in
0: it. for, yeah. for Dean Macy, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Um. Uh, well, how, well, maybe... Celebration music is so bad we can make silver, gold celebration yeah. bronze tri-celebration. There you go.
0: Let's do that. So we can outlaw it totally. Yeah, and we have <laughs>
1: such influence. I'm sure it will definitely. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Very good. Good stuff. Good. Right. Great. I so, think that's us. We'll the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode. So we've, we've, we've had a few, a few bits of feedback and a few people mm-hmm. listened. So I think... Uh, it would be good to get um, get people's uh, views on what their ideal day of sport watching would be. So what what, yeah. what they go and see and what their plans before and after would be. You're allowed to pick a result as well. So what got me thinking about this was actually Spurs playing last week was um, mm. was they went one 0 down to away to West Ham very early on. And my friend texted me and went, oh, careful, there's a meltdown coming because the Spurs fans will hate this. Yeah. And then we were comparing what the ideal outcome is. It's like, is it they lose like five or six or is it they lose one nil and dominate the rest of the game and still lose one nil? And that's pretty <laughs> much what happened. It was 2-1, but, you know, yep twice and yeah, so... That, that sort of thing but you know you don't have to base it purely on your opponent's misery yeah. it can be about self-celebration if you like so yeah if people want to send those in uh, then we can, we can have a talk through some of the ideas
0: that sounds good so just just to, to, to clarify that's a fantasy the, the ideal day not
1: what yeah. you've actually experienced but what would be your, your yeah what would be your yeah yeah so brilliant um, yeah feel free okay. to do as much research about <laughs> I'm thinking of certain people will be like well, I went to this tap room for breakfast and this one for lunch and then we went to a game I can't remember the score and then we went to another tap room afterwards, so it was brilliant so <laughs> yeah excellent right. stuff great
0: well see everyone next time cheers goodbye